Hello and welcome to Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel and this is an amazing day because we have all seen The Last Jedi and it's freaking amazing. And <laughs> at this point I should allow my gorgeous, wonderful guests to introduce themselves because this is a special episode and it's not me alone. So yeah, Kirsty, you go first and then we can spin round. Yeah, so I'm here with Natasha and Shai from Meta Machina, also known as Otzi and Ashes for Foxes. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Woo. <laughs> Sorry, that's like the most limp woo ever. I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's my. We movie. should also specify we're like right next to our our hotel or like our reservations. It's right next to like a train, so you'll hear it going in the background. We're <laughs> recording. We're recording from the front lines, people, because we care about you and we want you to have content. So, yeah, love and respect us, please. Um, but, yeah, this is amazing. Seriously, guys. Like, mm-hmm. I-, I watched that movie and I just could not quite believe what I was seeing. Like, at yeah. certain points, like, I audibly went, what the fuck? Like, yeah. In, yeah. in a good way, in a really good way. But I, I was just... Like, I was stunned. I could not accept what I was seeing. And can you remember all the angst and the panic after the whole Vanity Fair thing? It was like, no romance. Like, yeah. seriously, this is the most sexual Star Wars movie ever made. It is extremely sexual. Like, it was... I think that's what shocked me most of all. Yeah. Because the actual... The actual... For so a little bit of a, of a backstory for people who aren't familiar, you should be familiar by now, hopefully, is that so basically I think collectively we predicted this shit two years ago. <laughs> like so, a lot of people predicted this things would go this way two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so the plot itself did not surprise me at all. What we were seeing, um, I was surprised by how much we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was surprised by how much we got. Like I, I loved the movie. I didn't think we'd be. I didn't think we'd be rewarded <laughs> that much mm. in the episode in episode eight. Like, uh, for, so for me personally, I didn't think we would get mutual, uh, mutual romantic and sexual tension between Kylo Ren and Ray until episode nine, mm. and we got it in this episode. Like, really got it in this episode. Like the first act. Uh, <laughs> In the first, it, it was like they went, they went all out. Um, I'm thrilled with that. I just wasn't expecting us to get that in this movie. I thought we'd get it in nine for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Kind of people. Away. Sorry, it's really hard. Um, people who listen to the show probably remember that since the Vanity Fair thing came out, I have been super reserved in terms of my predictions for episode eight because they basically said like no romance. Um, and it turned out that Ryan had been misquoted, but even then I was like, okay, let's just keep our expectations low. And if anything, there's going to be subtext, which can be picked up on or ignored, as we've seen from how fandom has... It's not subtext. It's not subtext. It's right there that she feels compassion for him and that they are attracted to each other. Yeah. So And it is really, the heart of the really film. It's central. <laughs> yeah. So, we all do. It's a jump up. <laughs> Sorry, we're all very excited. That's why we're all talking at once. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just shocked at how much she wants to jump his bones. Like, <laughs> I, I that took me. I like. I love it. I love how. I love how proactive she is about mm. gratification. <laughs> I, I think they make her motivation very clear with the shirtless scene. 
The thing that was so surprising to me was that we got Renpura and Raylo in the same movie. Mm. I didn't think that they would have the balls to go there because, as we all know, Raylo has been controversial in the fandom. But the understanding has been, well, you know, if they're going to have it that way in canon, it would be because he redeems himself and then she allows herself to feel love or attraction or whatever toward him. But we get it already. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And she's, yeah. she's attracted to an unredeemed, unredeemed character, and I, I personally love it. it. It's it's everything I wanted from the next Star Wars movie that I didn't think I was gonna get because everyone told me that the stuff I wanted was too dark and stuff like that. I'm so I'm just so happy I, I got my Christmas. She, she's been like um, a Remperer person since like day one almost, haven't you, Shy? Yeah, yeah, I have, I have. I was basically like there was I had a wish list. What, what shocked me was I had a wish list of things that I wanted in this movie that I didn't think I was going to get because what I want and what the general fandom wants is there's a little bit of a disconnect. <laughs> and I was totally down for um, angsty romance with like, you know, an unredeemed quote unquote villain, right? I didn't think I would get it. I got it. So I'm just like so happy. I'm almost crying. <laughs> It is like just incredible. Like I must say that I remember when people were like analyzing the trailers, and there was that shot in the trailer of Kylo leading like forces on crate, and mm-hmm. through like lots of like waffle and thinking and everything, people we realized that crate. Yeah, yeah, we we knew crate came after the supremacy, and everything pointed towards there being some kind of Rain Kylo team up against the Praetorian Guard on the Supremacy. So the mm. confusion was, well, if Rain Kylo are allies on the Supremacy, then why is Kylo still with the First Order on Crate? And I Because know... he's a thwarted lover. <laughs> yes, exactly. But you, I, 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 I want to interject here and say that I got what I wanted too, Shy, and it was Pride and Prejudice Jane Eyre in space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got... Both got what we wanted and didn't have to compromise. Exactly. I love it. It was just so, um, it was just so, there's so much to unpack. And a, a thing, a thing I have seen online a lot that, because I, I actually had a bit of a blackout. I'm just off my blackout now. I'm seeing it a lot is that people are, uh, there's a lot of panic, I guess is the word for it. <laughs> there's, there's panic and there's, there's people that are having a hard time processing that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe, for me, I didn't actually have a hard time processing the first time I saw the movie. I was like, wow, we're getting this. This is great. I love this. Um, but it wasn't until the second viewing, because actually the, the so Basla, Ashes for Foxes, me, Holocroning, and Star Wars to Come, we all saw the movie two times last night, back to back. Like, we, we stopped once, and then we stopped for drinks, and then we saw it again. <laughs> so we, we, went, we went all out. It was actually really great seeing it that way. Um, but the second time I saw it, wasn't I realized just how smart and self-aware it was on on everything, and like how purposeful everything in the film has been done, and it was just God. So yeah, we got everything that we wanted, and it it was it was so. I guess I'm still struggling with the fact that we got everything that we wanted. Uh, you and Nat and I, right? Like we got so much. Yeah. I felt so, so, so thankful. You know. I, I think it's interesting though because I know that a lot of Raylo shippers really did not want Raylo like this, which I think is where a lot of the like 
pushback from within the Raylo shipping community is coming from because I know that oh, I, I oh yeah I'm not worried about it at all but I just find it really <laughs> interesting because I know that when like as I was saying earlier about the trailer and what that showed and how it raised the question of why is Kylo still for the first order at the end I had at the back of my mind I think he probably becomes the supreme leader he replaces Snoke but I didn't want to say that at the time because I knew that would be very controversial and upset people. Well, so, well yeah. maybe I should say that, uh, maybe I should reassure people in that they shouldn't have to, I, they have no reason to worry. There's multiple reasons why they don't have to worry. Okay, so one, I am not, basically pe- people got everything that they wanted. They just didn't get it in the order that they didn't realize it because we filled the past two years with fandom instead of canon. Um, so... The thing is, we got Ben Solo, um, and I am not, for people who follow my blog, I am not a Ben Solo stan, but I actually love canon Ben Solo. I love him so much. I didn't realize I would. Um, And I was not, for people who also read my work, I was not a redemption stan. We're going to get redemption. Um, We are definitely headed that route. Uh, And it is just so... It's really, really clear now. It's really great. Uh, people have people shouldn't worry about that at all. Um, and I actually wrote a really big meta. It wasn't specifically about um, Kylo Ren and Rey or Kylo himself, and it was basically just breaking down how um, redemption works, you know, and how how redemption is is plotted out within stories, within story arcs, you know. Um, so you know, you have your initial crime, you have a worsening worsening of the crime, you have the realization that they have committed the crime, and then they have to atone for their sins, etc., etc., etc. You know, we can link it on the show notes, or I can link it on my blog, but it breaks down how these things work. Um, and essentially, what we are seeing is we are seeing a really interesting way how a redemption arc is working. Um, and that's what currently what Kylo is going through in a very big way. He is going through a redemption arc, full, full-fledged. full Like, I had my doubts before, but I, I don't now. Um, and it's, it's really great to see that. And I think where the panic comes in is because this is going to sound a little bit meta and, and referential because people um, people have done this it's a little bit has to reference itself a lot, but uh, for the past two years, the fandom, people that are really into, like people that are really into Raylo or Kylo Ren or Redemption, whatever, what have you, we have been filling that gap of content with fandom content where we have already redeemed Kylo Ren in our minds, you know, like we have, we have already redeemed him in our minds. A lot of us have, have, you know, and then we have, then we jump back into Canon and in Canon, there's barely any of time gap between the, the force awakens and the last Jedi. Almost no time has passed right between there. So we're right back off to where we left off, you know, in, in Canon, Kylo Ren has not reached that, same spot that he has in fan where he's already been redeemed so it feels like a step back for people but people need to separate fandom redemption what's been going on so far which is fine it's totally fine to write that in fandom but it hasn't actually happened to canon yet and now we're actually seeing all these theories and all this and what we predicted come true in canon it's just a bit farther behind because it hasn't been written yet it hasn't been told we jumped ahead of the story so I think that might be where some panic is coming in because people have already redeemed him in his, their minds. But he he's going to get a redemption as someone who who loves Renfer. <laughs> I love Renfer so much. I have to admit that's where things are headed. I'll, I'll write a lot of I'll, I'll write tons about it, but that that's definitely where I think things are headed now. Yeah, I'm kind of baffled by this response because 
I feel like The Last Jedi sets up his redemption perfectly. Uh, so you get such leaps in development through his interactions with Rey. You have him taking down Snoke, who is his true enemy, as Snoke says. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, he's acting out of very personal, selfish motivation. It's not even that he's interested in ruling the First Order. Like he says to Rey, he wants to burn it all down to the ground and just be with her. Um, so it is like he's acting emotionally because of the abandonment issues that both he and Ray have, that she rejected him. And of course, the way he proposed it to her was horrible. Like he, he said like, oh, you're nobody, you're nothing, but not to me, as if that was a nice thing to say to someone. Thanks, um, Darcy. Yeah, exactly. It was totally Mr. Darcy. But yeah, I, it has to get worse before it gets better, as Shai says. Like, you have to have this low point, so the stakes are really high when we go into episode nine. And now fans understand that he's the last Skywalker, that Rey isn't one, and she's not going to continue Luke's legacy, at least in that way. Um, the pressure's on. Mm-hmm. And people respond to him much more positively now. The reactions to his to Adam's performance and Kylo's characterization have been so great, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, um, oh god, what was I going to say? Oh no, <laughs> this is what <laughs> happens when you're recording close to midnight. Um, yeah, sorry, someone else talk, please. Oh, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's the darkest hour of the story, and this we, we knew that going in that you would always have that within the narrative, especially with the it's, it's the second act, you have to have a rejection. Because otherwise you won't get him to realize that he actually needs to be worthy of her. You know, on a moral and physical and life level, like, he pretty much basically proposed marriage to her through, you know, rule with me. That's not like something where they're going to be best buddies or business partners. They're, they're liter- he literally asks her to join him in just the same way that Anakin asked Padme to rule the universe with him. And so what we'll see is that we already have Anadala being tragic. We already know that that ended poorly. So where can we go from here? We're not going to spend the next trilogy that comes out worrying about, oh, you know, she's just going to continue to reject and, and you know, and she'll never, he'll go full evil and everything will end tragically. That's not going to happen. But the same token, he needs to suffer for his crimes in the eyes of the general audience because his dad died a few days ago by his hand. Mm. So, and, you know, besides her, and she didn't know Han very well, even though she does care about his death, obviously, from those force bond scenes. But she also can understand where he's coming from, where he felt abandoned by his family, where he felt loneliness, where he felt manipulated and taken advantage of by an oppressor like Snoke when she was raised by somebody as awful as, what's his? Uncarplet. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's mirroring there that is so deep that we'll begin packing it for the next two years in addition to whatever we're doing when it comes to the um, speculation front. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The I have to say I really love their I really love how attached they are to each other. Like I really, really love how into each other they are on, on many, many levels that I was not expecting. And I actually think going into the film I actually had some fears that I call it the Sassu Stack of Fear, where they strip 
uh, a female character's agency for, for, for man pain. And they didn't do that in this film at all. Yeah. Um, Ray retains her agency by being so proactive about it. Like they connect. I love how Ray's characterization has been expanded because we see how, we see how hopeful she is like genuinely hopeful. She feels so much. She's so inquisitive. She's really, really, um, she's, she's really sort of like grabs, you know, grab the moment sort of person. And we got parts of that in, uh, it's it's character development. It's like she she's she's gone from someone who is tied down to her past to someone who is embracing moving forward, but in a more positive way than Kylo is moving forward. Um, and I really like how I was not expecting her to be so protective of him. Um, like there's a scene. Uh, I guess we're doing spoilers all throughout this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll have to put that in the title because I didn't say. Yeah, it's fine. So, um, there's um, there's a part of the story where they they're. Basically, the two of them lash out because they get triggered. Um, and the 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 in the part there's a part in the actual movie where Ray learns that Kylo was basically abandoned by Luke by someone who he trusted. Right on mm. on, on a fundamental level, he was technically abandoned. You know, or Luke it was didn't more than abandoned. It was betrayed. Trying to murder betray, him. Betrayed. You know. But it's the same sort of sphere, right? And she just goes nuts. She gets really really um upset and she attacks Luke. She attacks Luke because she's being triggered by this association with her own abandonment with her parents. You know, it's really too close to home for her. Um and and I love that protective side of her because she's just like both of them are like we are intensely lonely people who really, really connect with each other. And they they just get really, really into it, like really, really focused on each other in a really great way. Um, and the other thing, too, that I noticed in this film is that one thing that I really love about this and that people should be really happy about because it proves so many theories, right, is that this film talks about Kylo's trauma, like Ben Solo's trauma, so deeply. Like it brings it to the forefront that he is actually brainwashed and traumatized, which is what the Raylo fandom has been saying for quite some time, you know, mm. that he is brainwashed and traumatized. Like he is, he is deeply, deeply, deeply affected and he's not functioning properly at all. And we see this in the film and he lashes out in anger due to abandonment issues. He's being triggered. So the thing is, so he is, he has been passed back and forth between the, the light side and the dark side, you know, basically like a toy. And we see that actually with the Canto Blight thing, you know, like with good people or the, the, with the arm stealers selling to both sides. Like that is actually a theme throughout the entire movie that, you know, so Kylo's being passed like a second between both sides. He's traumatized, he's been betrayed, you know, and he just... And when, when you are when you are that traumatized, when you are trying to survive that sort of trauma, you compartmentalize stuff, right? And that's why he's got this almost mindless obsession to kill the past, you know? To kill the past, to, to make it die, you know? Because it's triggering him, deeply triggering him. Ray is not connected to the past, but she is someone he can connect with. Someone who is, someone who, who means a lot to him. Because she can connect with it, but she's not tainted in that past because she's nobody, right? Mm. Um, so he starts to latch onto it because he's got nothing else to latch onto. And then uh, every single time I've noticed, because we watched TFA just before we went in to watch the two movies, uh, the movie back to back, that he flips out whenever she leaves him. Like he really flips out. Like he doesn't know how to process it properly. Um, and 
in the very, I know I've seen, I've seen people who love, who love Kylo Ren and get really upset towards the end of the movie. And you, you shouldn't be getting upset towards the end of the movie because when he says, let the past die, he is desperately trying to kill everything or get rid of everything that is reminding him of the past because he's being triggered, which is why he ends up Renfrew, right? Mm. He's trying to focus with that, but he also needs Ray to keep him grounded. Like he's so docile around her in this film. He's a big teddy bear. Um, and and then the and then she 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 says no, I don't want to do this. This is not the way to recover from the past, basically. And she leaves him, and he flips out. That is why he is so irrational and like bombing the shit out of everything afterwards because she has rejected him and he realizes that at the very end of the film that he made a mistake but like as as napa said he realized like he has to realize that he's made that mistake he has to be worthy for her Mm. but that's why he lashes out it's not because he's a truly evil person it's because he's hurting yeah sorry that's a tangent (laughs) yeah no the first time i saw the movie i remember i was really confused after like ray left kylo and he woke up and was like um, the supreme leader is dead this is long live the supreme leader <laughs> like from that scene onwards i was really really confused i didn't understand like why there had been this sudden flip like and then on the second time i saw it it's like oh i understand because all of that violence and all of that chaos in the character is all about him attempting to use the First Order military machine to enact his emotions. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, it's so yeah. childish. Yeah. And yeah. he's called a child throughout the story. And so is Ray. You know, it's really emphasised by the older figures that they are children and running on emotion as opposed to rationality. And then by the end of the movie, it's it's their story now. Yeah. You know, Luke's gone, Snoke's gone. Um, it's up to them to grow up and yeah. find yeah. their own path. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed because there are so many storylines and characters that we haven't even got to. Yeah. Yes. We need there's to talk so about Finrose. Much stuff. Yeah, there's so there's Finrose. I like Hux now. Yeah. Which I thought oh, was him. gonna happen. I like Poe. Yeah. Like I care mm-hmm. about him. Hold on forever. Yeah. So Yeah, that's the that's the best Poe ship in my opinion. <laughs> Is it hold Poe? Uh I, I thought Poldo. I quite like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like dominant, yeah. like in command, military woman, like teaching, mm-hmm. like hotshot pilot, putting him in his place. I like. I've it. heard negative things about DJ as well, which I don't agree with. I think, I think he was DJ's great, great and served the narrative. Like I think he was a great foil for Finn. You know, he had like Rose on one side and DJ on the other. Mm. I didn't uh, like the stutter, but I did like the concept of the character. Like I just took a little bit of issue with the performance, but yeah, he was yeah. fine. Like I understood why he was there. Yeah. I think he'll show up in nine too. It feels like he's going to be a character that'll have a recurrence. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I loved Phasma's kind of unmasking. It was very similar to Vader slash Anakin in Rebels, where half of his mask gets torn away, and when Ahsoka's fighting him, and mm-hmm. just that little exchange between her and Finn was fantastic. Yes, Rebel scum. <laughs> Rebel scum and but, out. Um, yeah, Finn's journey was actually one of my favorites because of his journey from this selfishness to selflessness. And Rachel, I think you had a really good article today about how this movie is about failure for each person and how they deal with failure. Oh, and yeah, I think that was incredible. I think that was a really great in- insight into the film itself because I know that Ryan talked about challenging each character individually with what would be most difficult for them to face. And 
I thought Finn's journey was actually quite good, even though his screen time was a little bit compromised for Poe's story, I think. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. The way that he kind of was, he's starting to see the world for the first time, and he does have that kind of almost childlike nature that Rey and Kylo have. Um, it's just in a different way, and I liked how Rose was the agent for that change and for that kind of waking up to the universe at large because he's never really experienced it being part of the First Order. Yeah. And where he goes to sacrifice himself is it, it is it is a huge 180 turn from him being terrified at the beginning of TFA, and it was a good um, setup for Nine where he can actually be in this leadership role within the Resistance, and he's owning that. Yeah. So I've seen the fact that the mission that... Finn and Rose go on is ultimately pointless because they go on the mission to like disable the tracker so then the resistance can escape and obviously in the end that's futile because the supremacy is blown up by Holdo but what people don't get is that that's not the point like the point is that while they fail in that respect that failure does teach them things and also along the journey towards making that failure, they learn other lessons that they wouldn't have expected from the outset and that are actually much more important. So um, when I watched it again just now for the fourth time, I noticed that there was a bit of a parallel because at the very end when Rose like, is in the cockpit and she's wounded, um, there's obviously that lovely line about how um, we're not going to win by destroying the things we hate. We're going to um, win by saving the, what we love. Um, I'm paraphrasing. But um, yeah, what struck me on this new viewing is that there's also like a reference to that in the Canto Bite bit. So when they're setting the Favias free like Finn starts off by saying oh it was great to wreck that town and like wreck mess them up and then like Rose is like no actually this is what made it worth it and yeah, yeah like I, I really like that just yeah and she should have been hell-bent on revenge for her sister but she wasn't she took the higher path and like mm. you know yeah I think that's really beautiful <laughs> There was, if I can, if I can interject and add on to this, actually, for the people that are saying that this is going to get really meta, but this is part of the reason why I think this film is so fucking brilliant. And that you actually had a really good part of this, so you should add to this too, was the the whole Candle Blight plot with Finn and Rose, and actually Poe and Admiral Holdo, was a, a meta commentary, a very very blatant, almost too blatant, maybe meta commentary on how men are always perceiving themselves to be figures of authority over women in positions of power who know more stuff, and then they make more problems by not listening. Like it was so, it was really blatant with Poe not listening to Admiral Holdo because if he had listened to her, they could have figured shit out. Um, but it was also blatant in the Canto Blight stuff, right? You even you even have like what's his face, Master Codebreaker, shutting down the woman who's like, oh, look at look at over there. There seems to be something going on, you know. Like there's these little subtle nods to the fact that like if they would just stop and listen to the women that we're in these positions of power, they would have escaped all of this angst and this um, the difficulty they're going through. Because Poe questions Holdo, you know, and in a, when she's in a first in her position of authority, right? Like, 
and she already has a plan, but she doesn't need to explain herself to him. And, you know, ultimately she's right. And ultimately she sacrifices herself for the cause because she's following Leia's vision. And it's just a beautiful example of, I think that they've done a great job of, I know that some people are very upset about it because it seems to paint Poe as a misogynist, but I really didn't see that. I just saw him as being questioning of authority because he's been in this leadership position for so long and so recently was demoted. So yeah, I don't, I, I really don't see that part of it as much as I see it as being kind of this meta commentary. I think a little bit on like Kathleen Kennedy taking over the role of, of the the helm of George Lucas's Lucasfilm, you know, and like oh, it's the fanboys, <laughs> like tell us where where we're going. Literally, it was so blatant. Tell us where we're going. Tell us what your plan is. You know, you're a traitor. Oh yeah, and sacrifice people too. You know, like. The, the the war aspect is 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 kind of it's it's very being drawn out as being so destructive and so useless. The loss of life. I mean, there's heroism in that that is beautiful and wonderful, but you still you're sacrificing people for no reason. Like, there are better ways of fighting wars than just sending your your best out to die. And and Leia had this had this point had this line that I loved towards the end there. All her scenes made me tear up so bad. But the she had this line towards the end where Holdo basically sacrifices herself for the cause and she basically sits Poe aside and basically tells him, you know, she was more concerned with making sure the cause goes on instead of appearing like a hero, you know? So for me that that for me that translated to I'm more I'm, we're more invested in the overall story of Star Wars and moving it forward than in Luke Skywalker and you know the Gary Stew that you want to be, you know, <laughs> moving it forward. That's what it felt like to me. Like this is part of the reason why I was gasping in my chair because it felt like such a huge I love the film, but it felt like a very, if I was on the opposite side, I would feel like it was a huge fuck you to a lot of these people, right? <laughs> it was really, really blatant. Like, oh, trust like, oh. me, they feel it. They feel it. That's like, why 4 Chan is literally attacking movie reviews right now. So. I hope that over time, I mean, it's early days, obviously. I hope that people just take it on board slowly over time. Mm-hmm. Like, because it is a shock after The Force Awakens, even though they were warning us for the whole, it's not going to go the way you think. That doesn't get through to people unless they actually go and see it. And even then, probably people might not be accepting what they see. I thought Luke's arc in this movie was beautiful. This was my favorite Mark Hamill performance. It was just perfect. Yeah. Um, And he starts off in such a funny, low, miserable place. (laughs) I love him. I love him. He's broken, but it's not dark. Yeah. And and the way he comes back at the end and interacts with Kylo and says, see you around, kid, mm-hmm. it's hopeful. Yes. He says yeah. to Leia, no one ever is truly lost. I can't save him because I almost caused this or at least had part of part of an impact on his fall. But he thinks that there's hope. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're supposed to take away from it as well. Peace so, and purpose. Yeah, yeah, Luke and Leia's reunion was just so good. I cried my eyes out. Yeah. I, I, I hate to sound really smug but did anyone else like think about their own meta when watching the movie yeah oh like, i definitely did i don't yeah. want to be that way i don't want to be that person i'm not going to be that person but yeah. i i had to go in and, and go okay i'm just gonna eventually probably just post the six points of prediction and be like all right you know this is the story as it is and it gives me confidence that they actually looked at narrative structure and writing and said yeah. this is how you do it yeah they know what they're doing they know what they're doing we've had to face the argument that point we've had to say they know what they're doing and this is what they set up doesn't mean that you're going to get literally every single thing right they've got a lot right um but that's not the point i mean yeah 
I wasn't doing that personally because I haven't written nearly as much meta as the three of you. I've never, I haven't written as much as you guys either. A lot of hours <laughs> on the podcast, but I'm not going to go back all through that again. That is actually meta a lot of crap too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I ha- have you guys seen Noah, the Darren, Ar- the Darren Aronofsky film? Yes. Yeah. Like, no. did did the sequence where um like Luke is telling Ray to reach out, like, and she sees things like life, violence, yeah. peace. It was exactly like blah, that. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah. Yeah, like that gave me such Noah vibes, and oh god, yeah, no, I need. To I love that scene because it was so funny at the start because she, he tickles her fingers and he's like, "Can you feel it?" She's like, "Oh yes, I can feel it, I can feel it, I can feel it." That was I love that you actually the part that made me made me laugh so hard in my seat was okay, Disney. I, I understand like okay, him drinking the green titty milk. Just like that gnarly look on his face, and they just don't. They don't stop at all, right? Like, yeah. full on show alien tits. Right? Well, actually, the Star Wars has the most nipples in it, period. You know? I feel like they were really deconstructing this fandom and in universe n- notion of the legend of Luke Skywalker. You know, Luke talks yeah. about that quite explicitly the way that he had this reputation and he felt like he'd failed and let everyone down. Yeah. And it was down to the hubris of the Jedi Order. Um, but yeah, you have him in these, like, very undignified at the beginning yeah. and it's so charming and like the first thing you see is him throwing the lightsaber and <laughs> that just sets the tone because that's probably the last thing a lot of people were expecting over his shoulder just like not even looking just toss yeah I knew that was coming but I was still like oh my god this is amazing yeah that was fantastic it's clearly not what I really just, was either. I, it I just, I just, voice cards. <laughs> it was so, so good I, it was so good he's just no really Mark Hamill was Fantastic! So many people were fantastic in this. Mark Hamill was is he was so so good. He was great with Ray. He was great with Leia. And like just so in retrospect, unfortunately with Carrie's passing, the the conversation that they have at the very end there, you know, it just felt like a it was a tribute. It was a tribute to her. It felt like a goodbye, and it just felt so. I'm getting weepy just thinking about it because it's just so good. Sorry guys, I miss her. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> It is amazing. And yeah, like I, I really loved all the Leia stuff. And I'm so glad Leia and Luke got a scene together because I was really afraid they weren't going to. And yeah, that scene just had such like emotion to it and it was perfect. So yeah. Yeah, then playing Han and Leia's theme when they give he gives it the dice I just I yeah, that was when I broke into uncontrollable sobbing. I think we were all sobbing to a certain degree in the theater there. We had we all we had a row in the front for our first viewing right there and it was just like all of us were kind of it was a good thing that we had no one sitting in front of us because we were like squirming and crying and like <laughs> contortionists in our seats, you know. Um, and just like because uh, Nat was sitting next to me and Nat's bawling her eyes out while I'm just like twisted like a pretzel on my side, sort of like there. We're grabbing each other by the arm, digging our nails in, you know. <laughs> Rachel, do you want to talk about your experience at the premiere? Yeah, please. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, um, <laughs> I'm going to sound like such a complainer. Um, yeah, so the <laughs> premiere was amazing. Like, it was really, really great. And it was such a thrill to be on that red carpet. I can't even tell you. I got to pose next to Praetorian Guards. And oh. having seen the movie, that in retrospect, it makes it even more awesome. So, yeah, that was kick-ass. And it was awesome. Um, it was freezing cold. <laughs> And this is really lame, and I kind of regret it now, but I went inside quite early, because the thing Mm -hmm. is, I entered the red carpet quite early, and 
no one said anything to me, but it's the kind of situation where you sense that if you linger around, like waiting for, say, Adam Driver to show up, then you're going to mm-hmm. be asked to move on, you know, because of why you're just like blocking the way for everyone else and gawping like a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I went in quite early. And unfortunately, my seat in the auditorium was a bit shit because <laughs> there's this huge like safety barrier blocking essentially all of my view so i had to like twist my body by like 90 degrees um no that's not correct that would be implausible um i had to twist my body by a certain number of degrees that my sleep deprived brain cannot currently calculate um like snoke on the throne yeah exactly yeah just like (laughs) snoke um so yeah i think i might have developed some kind of spinal problem but it was worth it um, like I slept very badly for a few days, but yeah, just being in that room was so surreal and so intense. Um, the weirdest part was when Prince Harry and Prince William entered the royal box because there was like, this like um, spotlight on them, so everyone could see which box they were in, and oh, they played yeah. the national anthem. <laughs> Oh, God. Does everybody have to stand? Yes, we did have to stand. And we were also told um, at the beginning of the film that we weren't allowed to leave until they had, but no one cared, and we all just left as soon as we wanted. Bye. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So clearly no reference for royal authority. Good. (laughs) Yeah. Publicism. Another thing we should, I, I want to bring up, I don't know if you guys noticed it too, but one thing I didn't predict was how weirdly sexual uh, Snoke was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sexual. I hope that doesn't become a ship. I don't I really... like Snoke. Uh... Like <laughs> Whatever. Oh, there's always a ship for everything. He was just like, he was just so, it was not what I was anticipating. I, I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily dislike it because he's got more personality now than he did in the first movie, which is part of the reason why I love Huck so much now. Because um, he has a personality now, which is great. I just wasn't expecting him to be this weirdly sexual, lounging around, around in gold bathrobe sort of person. <laughs> Yeah, so. you could see like Kyle just like broiling over with rage, like when Snoke was like touching Ray and like manipulating Ray, and oh god, you tell he just couldn't wait to actually yeah. like enact the plan. And oh, that face. Oh, are we going to talk about Adam the fight Driver. scene? Oh, the fight scene. That was oh. so. Oh, god. I think even though we can talk about the hand touching scene as being kind of the most one of the most erotic scenes in Star Wars history, I think the fight scene was the most it was the most sexy scene it is my favorite scene in all they of were equals they were equals and they were yeah. on the same side and she touched his thigh um <laughs> <laughs> yeah she used and him for leverage girls you see how much they care for each other too in through this action right like they're concerned about each other in the fight and just the way that it shot and the colors just, the whole thing was beautiful. Like, God, I, I can't wait to see it again. I'm just so, I love it for that scene alone. I'm just, in, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm okay. It's so, so fabulous. I love fabulous. how brutal it was. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was violent. vicious, and they were, they were so fiercely protective of each other. And the way Kylo's eyes were, like, darting around the room to check up on how Ray was doing, even though he was taking on three of them at the same time, yeah. and she just had one. And the way they switched sabers and how he like quickly put it on and off into that guy's face. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. 
perfect. Yeah, I, I, again, the protectiveness that they have for each other, the mutual protectiveness, it's just, that's such a, personally, that's a, such a power fantasy. It's such a turn on for me to see yeah. that it's mutual that way, that, that they mutually are like really protective of each other in this way that is, um, they're moving out of the childlike aspects, definitely, for sure. But they, they, they feel like each other's first loves, you know? And you have that feeling when it's your first love, you know? You yeah. have that feeling where you're just like, where, you, where you're infatuated with the other person and you want to know how they're doing at all times, you know? It mm. feels like two emotionally stunted people who have been abandoned. Yeah, and that's what makes the, oh. the way that they perceive the other as betraying them right after that all the more painful. Yeah. Because yeah. they both feel that. Um, I guess, again, this movie plays with the way people perceive things in different ways. Like, they both have that vision. I am thinking that they might have had the same vision. Yes. Mm. And they both just interpret mm-hmm. it differently. Maybe yeah. we'll get some follow-up to that in Nine. Who knows? Oh, I hope so. Cool. <laughs> Please. I think... That's why I'm not I'm not worried about it at all. Ray would not be so if she thought he was truly going dark side because we saw now that she does have a lot of light in her. We thought she if she thought he was truly going dark side and was going to betray her like that, I don't think she would try to bring him over. You know, no. I don't. She wouldn't. She has faith for him still. She saw something beautiful. Mm. Yeah, and she tapped into the dark side so much in this movie, and I appreciated that so much. We called it, we said dark gray is probably never going to happen. We're not looking for that. What I'm looking for is her acknowledging that her anger and her fear and her loneliness and frustration has led her to easily tap into the dark side on multiple occasions in both The Force Awakens and this movie, and that it has an importance for her character. Because a lot of the times when narratives are focusing on strong female characters, they want you whitewash that shit out. They don't want female women to have that anger or that you know that kind of like you know just it's amazing because then it just yeah the nuance (laughs) ah you know I'm problematic now because I'm angry you know whatever but it yeah it 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 just it it, it, I adored it so much for that 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 again showing more light in him showing more darkness in her oh how cool was that cave scene yes that was awesome I love that that was really, really cool, actually. I just got... The whole thing was cool. It's going to take so many episodes to try to describe how many amazing things that there were in this film. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I, I, just, I, I found it really cool how they were doing the... I found actually it was really cool about that voiceover scene. So this cave was really neat. And she starts doing this voiceover. And at first, I personally thought she was talking to Luke. But no, she goes straight to Kylo as the person she's talking to about this loneliness, right? And he's just listening to her. He's not, like, mansplaining in the dark side. Sorry. He's just so... He's a teddy bear. I didn't expect him to be so much of a teddy bear. I I, I, I just adore him. I'm so in love with the, 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 the canon Ben Solo. I, I've never been a stand for Ben Solo, and now I am. Really he's just so him. soft and tender with her. It's amazing. He softens it. She calms him down, and then when she's not there, he just he just panics. He, he loses his shit. I just love it. Oh god. I'm just, okay. Oh god. I, I wanted to like die a bit from like happiness when he removed his glove. Oh my god. <laughs> so they could touch like skin to skin. I know. That was such a conscious thing as well that they bothered showing him remove it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the end when he's holding his gloved hand up. Yeah. So that's like that's Ben Solo, but when it's gloved, it's Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it really does look like she's about to take it, and you can tell she is tempted. 
like yeah. because she does think that they belong together but it's just they cannot reconcile that right now not right now no mm. but yeah. it just sets up the conflict and acts so well for episode nine it's gonna be beautiful it's guys so I, i'm so excited i'm just like palpitating and like okay, okay true facts if that uh, that there was so much sexual tension in the elevator ride that if that ride had been a little bit longer, they would have kissed. They would have mm. an actual kiss. Like, fuck, they weren't. I mean, if Luke hadn't walked into the hut, what would have happened? <laughs> oh, more. Definitely more. We would have gotten way more. I, I love how he's like the... I love how it was just basically like he's the... <laughs> it's just like, you know, not in my house sort of thing. Yeah, it's dad walking in on the naughty Skype conversation. <laughs> Seriously, with that scene, with the hut, that is one of the very, very few spoilers about the film that was completely mm-hmm. vindicated. We've had that spoiler yeah. for like 18 months. Yeah, um, that has when it happened, so I wanted cannabis. to explode from happiness. I was like, it's his. There what? are so many things. I remember that spoiler, actually, the exploding hut one. Oops. Yeah, so many tropes from Reno fan fictions. If people out there are like, wow, I really love the story of The Last Jedi, there are like a hundred different, more than a hundred different stories yeah, I agree we, that we, you can read. We had forced bond immediately in fanfic. We had shared visions of each other, feeling yourself to the force. We had Kylo feeling conflicted about Snoke. We had everything everything in fanfic long them before fighting together, yeah them fighting together her getting the flashback that gives oh, her sympathy for him yes. her being kind of antagonistic with luke even though they reconcile it towards the end then solo's fall being motivated by something outside of his actual you know yeah purview. the fighting and can i just talk about that for a second because i really want to talk about the i know that a lot of people feel betrayed by that moment they think that luke is his character has been bastardized by the fact that he was going to you had that moment of weakness where he considered killing ben i disagree entirely because he would tapped into that you know the the force is such a feeling thing versus a thinking thing you know and he did obviously change his mind um but they showed these three different perspective shots Mm -hmm. and my internet's not working very well, but there's that Kurosawa movie. I know that they referenced Hidden Fortress in this because oh, obviously yeah, Rachel's that. Oh, yeah, about. Yeah, but they had that whole thing that you wrote the meta about where there's different perspectives of the same event, and they showed three different versions of it, right? When Luke yeah. told Ray, when Ben told Ray, and then when Luke finally admitted to what he did. So, like, there's this whole, it's from a certain point of view aspect to it, which is so beautiful and so well done and meta for Ryan to put in and insert. And I don't think it's a bastardization. I think it's a way of showing that, you know, the betrayal works differently for different people and the reconciliation of that. Like even their last conversation when I know Kylo and Luke are fighting, like it feels like sort of a resolution to that, you know, like I love it when he screams, I'm sure you are, you know, like, and, and Luke's like, Luke is like, I failed you. And he actually finally gets to say that to him. And I think that is just, just like, that is like the betrayal that we were waiting, the betrayal and the reconciliation that we were waiting for between Master and Apprentice that's going to just carry the story forward. And it, it adds a really tight, very small, intimate moment into this film between those two, I think. Mm-hmm. But that was Luke's last act before yeah. The, yeah. the sunset. And oh my God, that was just the, the binary best. sunset. Oh yeah. That um, that was him gaining his redemption. In yeah. a way, because I know a lot of people were thinking that Ray would be the key to his redemption, and I guess she was, but it wasn't about him rejoining the fight. No. It was about him addressing his failure with Ben. Yes, and that was mm-hmm. that was what he was onto. Like every, this film is about people letting go of the past, right? And that is what had been haunting Luke. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about Ray. It was about Ben. Yeah. So perfect. Perfect. 
Everything was perfect. I, I it, it's just we're going to be seeing. I, I feel like this is the best holidays ever because we got basically everything we could have wanted or needed from this film, and now we're about to go see. We're going to go see uh, uh, Shape of Water too, which is also getting great reviews for, for very similar reasons. So um, the female gaze yeah. is in here. Yeah, I know. It was just. I, I think. Oh, I, I think another another thing I want to bring up too that was I I loved with the movies is just how much as someone who loves Star Wars extended universe and canon, I loved how much was brought into the story, like the mysticism and the the stuff that you wouldn't expect to be brought into the film, like the whole background of Jedi Jedi and stuff like that. Like it felt like there was real love for Star Wars, but a complex love. It wasn't. A, it didn't feel like a beginner film. It didn't feel like an entry film. It felt like they trusted their audience to be intelligent and know what they were doing and to see the film. And to not have to hold their hand through everything. And that's so nice to go into a film and to have them say, yeah, we trust you to get what we're trying to say here. You know, this is what we're trying to say. And I love that, too. I also love how Rian, how Johnson doesn't doesn't do mystery boxes like um, JJ did. Um, it, at, at no point during the film did I feel like I was being really baited. I mean, maybe there was one or two moments that I could maybe potentially be baiting. But in terms of, like, what... JJ did versus what Rian did. Um, it felt really, it took it out of the subtext and put it all out up there. And there was no mysteries that needed to, there's no pointless mysteries, I guess you could say, right? So it was just, wow. I'm just, wow. <laughs> it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did you guys have a very responsive audience? Uh, lots of people us responding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we were the loudest in the theater. <laughs> so, like, at the premiere, the European premiere, it was really, really interesting. Like, when Adam walked on stage, because everyone came on to introduce the movie, um, people booed him really loudly. <gasps> and I felt really bad. Obviously, they're booing the character, not Adam Driver. But still. Still. I was like, oh. That's terrible. Don't. I would hate but then it was so interesting because as the film went on, I noticed people were so into those scenes with Kylo and Ray, and in particular when, um, like Ray and Kylo like kill Snoke and then fight the guards. So like the moments in the film, the two moments that got the biggest cheers, and they were huge cheers. It was really like electric. Were when like Snoke was sliced in half, and when like Kylo like ignited his lightsaber to go through that guy's like face you know the last Praetorian guard yeah. took him down and it was really really amazing that was like one of the most magical things oh wow I yeah people ought to be the uh no we had a uh, our first audience the first one that we went into wasn't actually that responsive because we went with the general audience like just casuals right <laughs> we went with just casuals um, and the, uh, it wasn't really, there was a little, there was smatterings of laughter. The theater was completely full, but it was, and Nat can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was really that, that responsive was, I don't think it was. It wasn't um, even a full theater, which is the funny part for me. I was like, in America, this would be packed. So, and there'd be like, yeah, there'd be kids screaming and all sorts of things going on. But in this one, yeah, in Canadian theater, it was definitely like more low key and everybody was just kind of quiet. And yeah, I mean, when we were sitting, yeah, again, we're sitting in the front row, writhing in our seats, already excited for what we we're going through. And I mean, we, trying to keep each other from being spoiled was a fun part too. <laughs> <laughs> and trying not to spoil other people when we got out of the showing and went to get drinks because we were like, just 
we've been talking about it for probably 24 hours. Oh, no, actually, <laughs> like 48 hours, right, since we've arrived uh -huh. here. And, um, you know, it's only going to keep going. And I think, too, like, the responsiveness of the theater, like, I noticed that there was definitely kind of this, like, kind of, like, almost deadpan look on some people's faces walking out of the theater, you know, like, mm. especially some of the older men in the, the audience. I was like, I, I kind of want to ask their opinion, but I kind of don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, we, we would have uh, more mansplaining moments. Uh, the When we were going to the, the, the fucking theater, God, I'll try to, <laughs> you know what I'm about to talk to. So we were going to the theater and um, Ashes for Foxes and uh, some Star Wars to Come were dressed up, you know, uh, as Sith and, and Rey respectively, right? And we had a guy come up to us who, like some older dude out of nowhere, who basically said, you know, do you know who the witches are, right? And we thought they meant witches of Daphne. So we started talking about witches of Daphne, and he's like, no, not those witches. And then he starts talking on about, like, some some Russian Russian shit, pilots, right? named the night witches. Russian pilots. Cool, but, like, it's the same token. Um, no, and too, like, you know, we, 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 you get the impression that people think it's, you know, great. You know, we all dressed up, and we all did this thing, and you always smile at each other, but, you know, I would really just like to know what people felt about it in the general audience. I don't want to read these reviews on Reddit that are, I mean, I have literally seen probably about three big time fanboys um, that are contributing to major news networks on for Star Wars. And they're just, they're, they, their opinions on these things are just so different that I, I can't even reconcile them, you know? I, I we'll have a whole we'll have a me and um, Shy will probably definitely you know spend a few months just getting into this weeds because we love that stuff we like the Schadenfreude of, of seeing how people respond to that but at the same token I just feel like it's a very divisive movie on many levels and it's going to remain that way but as as long as like over time people start to reconcile their feelings about it I think they will they remember will. when Force Awakens came out yeah. people were so fucking mad at Kylo Ren yeah. And so mad that it was just a carbon copy of a Real new hope. hope. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think people need the space between the movies to yeah. grow. To grow. And, yeah, just develop with the story and yeah. see different things in it. Yeah. Star Wars is about growing up, not just the people in the movie, but the people watching the movie. <laughs> Which is kind of true. I mean, it's a psychological motif, right? I mean, the fact that um, Ryan was talking about, like, men you know, understanding their limitations through, you know, like the Robert Bly quotes or this idea of, of, of accepting your maturity and adolescence and your, from, from adolescence. I think that is a, like a really, a true meta commentary on the fan bases itself, like finding adulthood, finding maturity, finding your place in things. But it's not telling that about Luke or Han or Leia in the way that people wanted it to be. Um, it's going to be telling about that way from the point of view of the new characters. And they're seeing that the older generation has failed that in some way, and how can they learn from those failures in order to accomplish that themselves? Which is what we need to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, guys, I'm really sorry to cut this off, but I'm really tired and it's very late here, so I probably should end it here. But yeah, does everyone want to say goodbye quickly and say where they can, where people can find you? Sure. Um, do you want me to go first, or mm -hmm. yeah, sure. All right, All right. you can find me uh, uh, blogging or writing meta on my blog at otzi.com, and you spell otzi o h t z e. And you can also find me on Twitter at otzi underscore o, spelt the same way. 
And I'm not, um, I'm Ashes for Foxes on Tumblr and Twitter. Kirsty? People know where to find me. <laughs> I'm Basil Bay on Tumblr and Scavenger's Horde on Twitter. And I'm Star Wars Nonsense on Tumblr and Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Thank you so much for listening, and rest assured there will be much, much, much more to come. Yeah, and it will yeah, probably be more coherent and organised. This yeah. is just us vomiting words out of excitement at the moment. And can I just say, Kylo Ren has the best pecs and is actually shredded. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kylo Ren has an eight pack. He is shredded, and he rendered her temporarily. She couldn't speak. Cover up. <laughs> Preserve my modesty. Oh. My favourite thing actually has been some people interpreting that as her being repulsed by him. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, that was the exact oh. opposite intent of the scene, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> She's embarrassed. Oh my god. Right, okay, bye everyone. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs>